What is worship? Christians use that word a lot, but in a lot of confusing ways. The service felt so worshipful. Does that mean worship is a feeling? I'm just not into contemporary worship. So is worship a style of music? The Bible doesn't talk about worship that way. It's more than music. And it's something you can do no matter how you feel, no matter where you are, and no matter what anyone else is doing around you. Let's look at what worship is and why it's so important. Well, good morning, Senate Community Church. Good morning. It, Mr. Clark, that was my dad. Man. It is great to be back here with you this morning. It's been, as always, considered an opportunity and a blessing to come and to worship with this. Uh, if you're guests with us this morning, just so you know, they mentioned it earlier, I am not Dave Spencer. All right. People have said we look a little bit alike, we talk a little bit alike. I don't agree with that second part, but um, I am excited that he's on vacation, and what I consider even greater than that is this church supports that. They encourage your pastor to get away to spend time recharging, refocusing. And so when he can come back, you know, God's given this idea of what's next for this church. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Rich. Um, I have the privilege to serve an amazing church in Tunkhannock, Pennsylvania. That's my family. <clears throat> um, but my roots started here. Uh, my family had the privilege of being a part of Senate Committee Church for 10 years to serve here, to watch God work here. And even if I don't know who you are, I'm praying for you. We've been praying for you and this church, asking God to do amazing things through you and through this church in this, in this town and the surrounding communities to share the message of hope that Jesus changes everything. Um, so that I've been praying for you. And I love the fact that we're here. Um, back home in, in, in uh, not Romulus. Back, I'm in Romulus. Back home in Tunkhannock. Uh, we just kicked off a series a little while ago on worship. And as I was praying and talking with God, I said, God, what would be the most benefit for me to share? What would you want to share with your people when I have the opportunity, you've given me the opportunity? And I was like right, trying to write other messages. I'd go back to past series and talk about, try to think about talking about them. But every single time, God brought me back to this, worship. And that's because worship in the church is universal. Um, not that every church is the same, not every church worships the same, their styles may be different, but that every church should have an aspect of a majority of the ministry being focused on worship. And as if you see this morning, if that's not true, I'm not sure if you can call it a church. As you can see, well, we'll walk through it this morning, because we walk through, we hear this word about worship, and we think through, like, what is worship? It's a word that we use in church, and outside these, world, outside these walls, it might not be used as much as we think. It may be a foreign word to some of you coming in this morning if you're a guest with us. What is worship? How do we express it in our lives? Does it matter to us? Should it matter to us? Does it only happen here on a Sunday morning, or is something greater to that word called worship? Um, and this is going to be a couple of questions that we're walking through and answering this morning. But here's the thing. If you've been looking for a way to align your life and your heart back to the Lord of all things, it starts with worship. 
If you've been walking through life and you're feeling like there's a hole, there's an emptiness, there's a disconnection, and you want to see that filled, you want to change the direction of life, it starts with worship. We are created to worship. But what happens is we all live these busy lives and we walk around and we fly around and not paying attention to what takes place in our life. Right now, many of you walked in this morning already thinking about what has to take place after service. You came in thinking about the crock pot. Did I turn that on? <laughs> right? You thinking about the house chores needs to be done, the problems you got to solve when you get home, the issues you got to deal with going out in the field. There's farmers in the room. I have to go get work done in the field. You're already thinking about that. You're thinking about going to work tomorrow and the problems that you have to solve at work. You're thinking about wanting to call off tomorrow because you don't want to go to work and deal with those problems. But you're already thinking beyond now. So this is what I want to do. I want to ask you to set all that aside. For a few moments you and I have to share this morning to talk and to worship and think about what that truly is, set it all aside. We all have busy lives outside those doors. For a few short moments, let's, let's stop, forget about what's taking place out those doors, and focus on this. Dig in this idea of worship. Pursue this idea of worship. Because when we do, when it becomes a habit in our life, we get front row seats to watch God work. Why? It's because what we were born to do. We were born to worship. Let me jump in so I'll show you what I mean. Open your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Psalm 95. Psalm 95, we're starting at verse 1 this morning. There, if you didn't bring a Bible, you don't have a Bible this morning, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. If you do not have a Bible of your own, please take that. That's this church gifts to you. We believe this is God's word. This is his life manual, how he desires his creation to live. And it's our desire for you to have a copy of it in your hand or on your phone or whatever but if you don't have a Bible and you want one, please take that one. But as you're opening, it's on page 415 in those Bibles. If we get, while we get going, if you're getting there and you're all ready to go, let's just take a second and ask God to do what he does best. Prepare our hearts for what he's going to share. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you. God, as we dig into that and try to figure out what that looks like in our life and how important it should be to us, and we open up your word I pray that you open our minds. I pray that you open our minds so we can understand what you're saying to us. We can understand what you want us to do. God, and I pray that it goes much further than that. That you move it from our minds, from head knowledge, you drive it deep into our hearts so we believe it. And then when we believe it, Lord, we will turn and start making changes in our life to glorify you. And I pray that everything we do and say today will bring you glory. And our hearts will draw closer to you. And we'll take one more step in our journey of faith with you and your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that in his name. Amen. All right, so we're starting at Psalm 95, at verse 1. It says, Come, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. Verse 4, and in his hands are the depths of the earth, 
and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So when I said we were born to worship, what I really wanted to tell you is that worship is in my DNA. Worship is in your DNA. It's what we were born to do. It's what we were created to do. It's woven in the very fabric of who we are. When God formed us in our mother's wombs, in Psalm 139, when he put us together, there's, he put this aspect in us to turn around and worship him. Creation, worshiping its creator. It's part of our very being. And it flows through us just as natural as the air we breathe. But what happens is when we miss this, we miss this, emptiness starts forming deep inside of our lives. We miss the worship focusing on him. We, emptiness forms in our lives and we feel disconnected. They're like there's something just wrong. Many of you walked in here this morning feeling just that. Like you go through life, you're just living through the motions and things are not quite where you'd want them to be. There's this emptiness, this void. And if you could put your finger on it, you wish you could, but you can't. It's because we turn our worship off of him into other things in this world. Our heart is constantly searching for something to make it whole. It's a hunger that will never quench its thirst. And that's worship. We were created to worship. And when we're not aligning our lives to worship him, we're worshiping the things around us. We're filling the emptiness and voids of the things of this world. We look at possessions, money, position, status. We think that those kind of things, we start worshiping those things. Those things are going to make me whole. Those things are going to fill me and make me who I was supposed to be. That's my purpose in life. And a few moments later, you're feeling empty again. You're wondering, what is that? I thought this new position was going to be it. I thought this new job was going to take me in. I thought that new boyfriend, a new girlfriend, they're going to be it. But then you break up and you think the world is over and you feel empty inside. Because we were created to worship. And when we're not worshiping him, our maker, this emptiness continues to fold in our lives, and we can't find it in this world, and we feel so empty, sometimes lost, confused, wondering if God is even there or real because we're focusing on the wrong things. And as I read through those first few verses, I realize that when our worship in life is aligned to the pleasures in life, we miss the author of life. When our worship in life is aligned to the pleasures of life, we miss the author of life. He is our maker. He were created in, in his images for his purposes. He, he owns the copyright of life. And as much as our world now wants to take that from him, he owns it. Every single one of us. We belong to him. We are his creation. 
And that's why we bow down and worship him. One of the ways we do this in church when we show our worship is through song. We express worship through music. It just comes through us. Look back at verse 1 where it says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is great, the great king above all gods. At church, we place a high emphasis on worship. We understand how it impacts our lives. The sole purpose of any worship team, and I guarantee anybody that was singing up here this morning would agree with this, is we come in to help us set everything else aside to focus on the one before us. When they were singing, that's what they're, let's take everything away and just set it all aside and focus on you and you alone, Jesus. That's the sole purpose of worship. And if you flip through the Psalms, flip through the pages, you'll see many times in the front of the Psalm, it says to the director of worship, the director of music. Why? Because God knows how much music penetrates our lives. It just fills us right up. There's just something about a song that moves the soul. It ties to moments in life. It floods our memory, our minds of memories of the past. It connects to our emotions, our joy, our sadness, our excitement, our happiness. There's just something about music that makes our life fill with things. It happens all the time, and we don't even know it. How many times do you drive down the road, and now you listen to music, and all of a sudden a song pops in your head, and you want to go find it on your Spotify account? Like, I want to hear that song. Why? Because you want to listen to music. It just brings things out in life. I was at the Rector's last night. We were playing an intense game of cornhole. <laughs> Kevin and I won. Right? And it was, a, just, it was just like having a great time, and all of a sudden I pull up my phone, Jordan brings out her little speaker, and we, the game went sideways for about 15 minutes because I think it was a little dance party going on in the back. But it just it enhanced, it just changed everything. Because that's what music does. So this morning, I want to have a little fun with you. I want to have a little fun. We're going to play a game called Name That Tune. All right? Now listen, there's a little background to this. I grew up with it. My, my brother is 10 years older than I am, and he had like every album under the sun. Right? And we would play this game as kids. And so when Stephanie and I started dating, we used to drive around in her car. Every time a song would come on, I'm like, who's the artist? What's the name of the song? When did it come out? I'm like, quick, quick, quick. She's like, I don't know. I'm like, grab the wheel. You're driving, right? And so we go through this all the time, and we listen to music and play music and talk about music. So I want to have that little fun with you. But here's the, I want to throw some guidelines and some rules, okay? This is... A competition. I know it's church. We're not supposed to have competition. No, no. This is a competition, all right? 
So what I want you to do, don't shout out the answers. When you know the answer, throw your hand up for me. There's like, I'm going to look for your hand. I want to see it. And why don't you need to tell me the artist and the name of the song. All right? I don't care what order. Artist or name of the song. Song and name of the artist. That's what I want you to do. We're going to have a little fun with that. Are you with me? I don't think you are. Do me a favor. Look at the person next to you and tell them, I got this. All right, tell the person on the other side of you, I got this. All right, we're going to have a little fun this morning. Remember, do not shout it out. Raise your hand. All right, let's play song number one. Here's a little help. All right. I don't know your name. I'm sorry. Missy. What was it? Rascal Flatts. All right. That is correct. Now, can anyone tell me who, who originated that song? Rascal Flatts remade that song. Yes. Tom Cochran, 1991. See? This is what I'm talking about. All right. Song number two. It's all right, baby. We're gonna have a good time tonight. Let's celebrate. It's all right. Where have you folks been? We're gonna have a good time tonight. Let's all right. Sir, right there. That's right. Celebration. Cool in the gang. All right. Song number three. Chris Paul jumped out of her seat over here. And defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. For the rest of you, here it comes. God bless the USA. All right. Yes. Yes. Great job. See, you're getting this. All right. Song number four. I almost want to forget the rest of the service to start playing. All right. Right back. Michael Jackson. That is correct. All right, so there's a little side story with that one. When our family went on a cruise last year, they took us like an 80s dance party up, in, up on the deck, and they taught us how to do that Thriller dance. It was awesome. There was some video of it, but you will never see it. All right? <laughs> All right, next one. You, my bright girl, do you remember when we used to sing? Just like that. All right. Jordan, what was up with you? Like, well, you got it. <laughs> That's right, Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. Awesome. All right, last one. Redemption time. All 
All right. Leela's saying it with a smile. She's like, I got it. That's awesome. That's right. Shut up and dance by Walk the Moon. See, you guys played right into it. You, you knew the songs, and you were singing it, right? The, the, over here. I don't know what's going on. These two families. They're like, I got it. And those of you who don't like to dance, you're just kind of like. You had the head nod going. Like, I'm not dancing in church, but I got my head going, right? Music. It just does something to us. It drives within, deep within our soul. It's a clear way to line our hearts to the Lord of all things. It drives deep within us that just keeps us going. A message of hope. The truth of love. The trust of a Savior and the love of a Father. That's what song does to us. So when we come and worship, it just gets deep within our soul. And we sing praises to the God, the one true King, the great God. And that's what we're called to do. Martin Luther said, the gift of language combined with the gift of song was given to man that we should proclaim the word of God through music. Worship is a, through song moves the needle of a heart surrendering to our Lord. And we, we just do it. And it happens and we connect with him. It humbles every man, woman, and child. And friends, never, ever be ashamed of it. It doesn't make a difference when you're singing here if you're just crying because you're so poured out with his love and you're feeling like this is this God crying, raising your hands, just praising, or you're just sitting there with a, this cheesy grin like, this is my God. Never be ashamed of worship. Embrace it because it's in your DNA. It's what we were born to do. And as we understand this, as his creation, have a relationship with Jesus as his children, it starts changing our life, changing directions, our decisions, and what we're thinking, walking through our attitudes of our heart, how we communicate with other people. It just changes our life. Because truly, that's what worship is. It's a whole life response to God's greatness. Great King, great Lord above all things. That's the truth of worship. Looking back at verse 3, it says, For the Lord is the great God. He's the great King above all gods. And his hands are the depths of the earth. The mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. His hands are formed to dry land. Come. Because all that is true. Come. And let's bow down in worship. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. See, worship just doesn't happen here on a Sunday morning. Worship is a part of our life. It's a whole life response to his greatness. We serve an awesome God who is mighty and powerful. Yes, we're called to come here corporately as his children, as his people to worship him. Yes, but it's a whole life. 
It's outside those doors. It's how we act and talk at work, how we deal with things at school, how we live with our friends. It's everything. I've always said that Christianity is a wraparound lifestyle. It consumes every part of who you are. There is nothing outside your walk with Jesus. It's every part of you. That is worship. To a great God who created the sun, the moon, the stars. Everything was made by him, for him. And right now, Colossians, it says he holds everything together. An expression based on his greatness. And if you ask me, I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. If you ask me, if worship is in our DNA, and it's to be a whole life response to his greatness, I would have to think that worship must be the most important thing in our lives. It's what we're born to do, created to do, to his greatness. It must be the most important piece of our lives. And if we're honest, if I'm being honest, that's not always true. We turn our eyes off our great God and start worshiping things around us. We worship many other things, people over God. So what is, has a central devotion in our lives is really what we worship in life. It's what we value the most, what we spend the most time on, what we spend the most money on. We don't even see it coming when it happens. It just happens, and we shift. We're like, oh, I love all this stuff. Like, wait, I love God. So I want to ask you this morning, right now, what matters most to you? What matters most to you? In fact, in your programs, you have room, right? Blank matters most to me. And think through that. What matters most to me? Is it relationships? Is it dreams? Is it friends? Is it status, stuff, work, family? To be clear, whatever you put in there, that blank is what matters most. It's what we chase in life. It's the more, most becomes the most important thing to us. Louis Giglio wrote in his book, uh, The Air I Breathe, worship is the activity of the human soul. So what is the activity of your soul? What is your soul facing? Because the volume of our actions speak louder than our words. In the end of the day, our worship is more about what we do and how we live than what we say. We might, we might say, I worship God, but our actions say our kids. We might write in the word Jesus, Jesus matters most to me, but our calendars say something drastically different that it's our work or our hobbies. We might want to throw in a churchy answer in there, but our life screams something different. It's more than our Sunday morning singing in our hearts with praise. Worship us a whole life response. Live because of his greatness for his glory. Just like we need air to breathe every moment in life 
to walk with Jesus, we need a steady supply of spiritual oxygen filling our soul. Connected with the King of Kings. And when, it's, when it shifts, when we miss that, we pick up the world of emptiness one more time. And I only can say that to you because I know I've done it. Pick it up and wonder, why is my life misaligned? Well, because my worship's misaligned. I'm looking at all this stuff and I think is great, but really I need to be looking at God who is great. You know, when we breathe in is to receive his grace. When we exhale is to offer his praise. That is a whole life of worship. Psalm 150 at the very end, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And I love how the psalmist ends this in verse, end of verse 7, the beginning of verse 8. It says, today, if you would only hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you would only hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And he goes on and talks about his chosen people, the Israelites, which harden their hearts, turn their back on God, and worship other gods and other idols, and he dealt with them personally. So he, the psalmist is saying, this is our great God, your maker, you're called to worship him. If you're hearing his voice right now, friends, if you're being convicted by, like, well, I'm living this certain way, I'm walking away from the God I love, I don't even know who this Jesus is, and you're being convicted, you are hearing his voice. And God saying, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts like the people of old and miss the blessings of walking with me in life. Don't harden your hearts like the people of old and miss spending eternity with me. Today, if you'd only hear his voice. When I was studying for this conversation, uh, I looked at my Bible on the side of my notes. I have this little note that I wrote several years ago, and it says, if your maker calls, listen. If your maker calls, listen. And this morning might be a day of action. You didn't, don't just come in here and Raise your hands and praise. Maybe it's time to lay down your life and worship. Maybe it's a day where you call out to God and say, You are my God. I am yours. This moment, every day, every air I breathe, I belong to you. And to see, depending where you are in your spiritual journey with Jesus, it looks radically different for each of us. Because everybody's on a spiritual journey. And different points in that journey. Maybe you're, you're approaching the threshold of faith and you're just trying to figure out who this Jesus guy is or if God's even real. Ecclesiastes says he has put the eternity on human hearts. You're searching and asking questions because God's built it in you to ask questions about him and figure him out. Or maybe you've been walking with God for a long time and this morning you're realizing that your worship is offline that you need to readjust, that I need to readjust. That it's a day-by-day basis when we make a decision that when our feet hit the ground, our eyes open up every single morning, we say, I am going to worship you. 
You have to make that decision. That's the beauty of a personal relationship with God as he individually wants to have a relationship with you, 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 and you. Intimate, personal relationship. So you can walk side by side with your maker, the one who loves you the most. You have to make it. No one else can. But today, if you would only hear his voice, I plead with you, do not harden your hearts because you were born to worship. Now I'm going to pray and we're going to wrap this up. But I'm also going to pray an opportunity for if you're here this morning and if you've never said yes to Jesus, that you're like, today is a day that I've been hearing about him. I, they talk about him in this church all the time. And today is a day that I want to change that. I want to make my life, I want to align my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to say a simple prayer, and you can pray with me and surrender your life. Because you can only worship what you surrender to. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And for any one of us else, maybe it's time to ask God to forgive us. Forgive me, Jesus. Bring me back. Refocus my heart, because you're an awesome God. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. God, thank you for being so patient with your creation. Sometimes we just get things wrong. And Lord, you know where every single person in this auditorium sits with you, what they need to change, what they wrote in the blank, what they should write in that blank, what matters most. And I pray that you're working in their hearts as individuals. You are a great God. You're above everything we face in this world. And we can come before you and lay down our everything. So I pray, God, as we, we walk through that, that our lives would be different. So when people see us outside these walls and in our workplace, in our school, with our friends, whatever it may look like, they'll see something different. Our hearts will be different. Our attitudes would be different. Our decisions would be different. And they'll say, what is it? What about you is different? And we'll have all the confidence to say, Jesus. Jesus changes everything. And if you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you've never surrendered and prayed and give him your life. Today could be the day that changes everything for you. I'm just going to say a simple prayer. You can just copy it. Say it yourself. It's not really in the words that we're going to say. It's you handing him your life, saying, I am all yours. You just copy me. Father, I'm a sinner. I have turned my back on you. I have lived for myself, and I've walked by myself. Forgive me for my sin. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin and rose three days later. I don't know everything, but I know I need you. Today, I'm all yours. I turn from my old life, and I embrace my life with you. If you prayed that, <laughs> your life is just drastically changed. You have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And I would encourage you, if you pray that, that you will find one of the leaders of this church. Have a conversation with them. They will confirm what you just did and walk you through. And let me just tell you, they're probably going to be rejoicing because that's why this, his church exists, to share the message of Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us, Lord, I pray that we'll learn to set these things of this world aside, stop picking up the emptiness, and feel the completeness and the fullness and the wholeness in you. That every single day that we'll put our feet on the ground and say, I worship you. We love you. And today, Father, we do lift up our worship because you are a great Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.